We studied together in seminary, and when I went to Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I asked the Lord to give me some good godly men to be prayer partners, and your pastor was one of the first ones that the Lord gave me, and he has never wavered in faith and piety. I think of his family as my own family. His boy, the second one, was born at the same time with my daughter. And so I thank the Lord for this friendship that he has given us over these many years. It's such a joy to be here today, and I had a wonderful time worshiping with the men yesterday. Turn with me in your Bibles, please, to Revelation chapter 22. I will read one verse. And in honor of the Word of God, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, please. Revelation chapter 22, verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let him who thirsts, Come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. The word of the Lord. Let's pray, shall we? We're grateful, Lord, that in your providence you've gathered us together to worship your holy name. We pray that you'll inhabit the praises of your children. We pray that the entrance of your word will give light. May my lips distill wisdom. May the Lord of kindness be in my mouth and may many be converted to righteousness. May we see Christ, who died that we might live, and who rose again to make us right with you. We pray in his peerless name. Amen and amen. Sit, please. By God's grace and help, I want to speak to you today for a few minutes on the subject God's final invitation. Amen? God's final invitation. Our Lord is about to close the canon of Holy Scripture. We've come from Genesis to Revelation. For over 1,500 years, some 40 men have been compiling, composing, writing this sacred record of God's revealed will to man. But before the Lord closes the canon, and before the Lord brings to an end this sacred writ, He has one final, earnest, solemn appeal to thirsty souls to come to Christ and drink. Amen? He gives one final gracious invitation to the impenitent to come to him and drink. We can almost picture that from his lofty throne, he leans over and gives this earthward cry to the impenitent, 
to thirsty sinners to come to him and drink. But before we consider this invitation to sinners, let us think about the heavenward prayer first. The prayer of the Spirit and the Bride to our blessed Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, come. But this prayer by the Spirit and the Bride is preceded by our Lord's blessed promise that He's coming again. And three times in Revelation 22, the Holy Spirit records the blessed promise of our Lord that He's coming again. Look at chapter 22, verse 7. Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Look at verse 12. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Look at verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. The Holy Spirit records three times this blessed promise of our Lord. He is coming soon. Amen? His second coming will be associated with great glory. Amen? His first advent, his first coming, however, represents his humiliation. He died in shame. He died in agony between two felons on a cruel cross. But between the first advent and the second advent, the Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin. What sin? That sin of unbelief. The Holy Spirit convinces sinners of their need for the Savior. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, exposing self-vindicating flesh. The Holy Spirit convicts the world of sin, of righteousness, and the coming judgment. You see, church, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to exalt our blessed Lord. Amen? Jesus himself says, He shall glorify me, for he shall take of mine and show them unto you. His ministry is to exalt our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. His ministry is to reveal Him in the beauty and the majesty of His person and work. His ministry is to woo and draw the impenitent to the Savior so that they might come to know Him personally. 
But for 2,000 years, as men reject the Savior, the Holy Spirit has been grieved. For 40 years in the wilderness, Israel spurned the work of God and grieved the Holy Spirit. That's 40 years. But for over 2,000 years, the Holy Spirit has been grieved by the wickedness of this world and the rejection of Christ. And the Holy Spirit longs for the day of the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? The Holy Spirit longs for the day when Christ shall come and rule the nations with a rod of iron. The Holy Spirit yearns for the day when Christ shall come and take to himself his great power and rule over the nations. Amen? And now, in joyous anticipation of the Lord's coming in glory, the Holy Spirit expresses his great longing. And here he cries, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? The Spirit cries. Look at chapter 22, verse 20. The Spirit cries, Even so, Come quickly, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit and the Bride of Christ are both crying, Come. Notice, Holy Spirit and the Bride, one come. Because, you see, church, the church pleads, the church groans, the church agonizes, through the Spirit, yearning for the glorious appearing of her great God and Savior. And the Spirit pleads and agonizes through the church for the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. You see, my friends, the bride, the church, is a spouse to the Lord. But the marriage has not come yet. It is not until Revelation 19 that the marriage ceremony is held. It is not until Revelation 19 that the wedding supper of the Lamb occurs. So the bride, through the Spirit, yearns for the day when she shall be joined to her husband, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? The church, the bride of Christ, yearns for the day when she hears, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Every woman who has ever been married, you know the great anticipation associated with that day. You know what they do today, right? The man comes to the church first. I understand it used to be the other way around. The woman would come first, and on a few occasions, the man would not show up. 
and the woman would be devastated. All of you who've read Great Expectations by Charles Dickens, you know the story of Miss Havisham. The man does not turn up, and her life stops. So you can understand this great yearning, this great longing, this ardent zeal, this great desire that the church has for the coming of her groom, when she shall be joined to her husband, and they shall be one. Amen? Did not our Lord promise in John 14, 2-3, if I go away, I will come again? When Jesus ascended to heaven, the angel told his disciples, he will come again as you have seen him go away. Acts 1.11 But the abuse that has been heaped on our Savior causes the bride to grieve, causes the bride to ardently desire the glorious appearing of her espoused husband when she shall be possessed by her groom. The church has always prayed, have we not? Thy kingdom come. What does that mean? The kingdom of God comes when a man converts to Christ and Christ establishes his reign in the heart of that man, in that woman, in that child. The kingdom of God comes wherever the church of God is planted in the world. But the everlasting kingdom of God will come soon when he returns, amen, and establishes his everlasting reign and when sin will finally be vanquished. We know its power has been broken. We know its penalty has been paid. But Christ will come soon and its very presence will be done away with. And so the church longs for that day when Christ shall come and sin will be vanquished and death obliterated and Satan defeated. And so the church prays earnestly, Thy kingdom come. Amen? But not only the church and the Spirit, look at the text, and the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him who hears Say, come, when individual believers hear the glorious promise of our Lord's second coming, everyone testifies, come. I would say that a true reflection of a believer is that yearning in the heart for the coming of our Lord. And of course, we know that the manner of his coming has been debated for many years. But whatever the manner of his coming, all agree that every truly converted believer longs for the day when Christ shall come again. Amen? And so here, every believer testifies, Come, blessed Lord. Come, Every true believer longs 
for the vindication of our Lord and His church. And by vindication, what do I mean? When Christ comes and set things right. Amen? We look in the world today. Do we get a sense that things are right? No. Things seem askew. And so we long as individuals for Christ to come and vindicate his name, vindicate his honor, vindicate his church, and make all things right to the praise of his glory. Amen? We see this longing in the scriptures in a very simple expression. How long? From Genesis to Revelation. We often find, especially in the Psalms, where the psalmist cries, How long, Lord? This simple expression, how long, is a longing for vindication, a longing for God to come and set things right. In fact, we have this expression in the Scriptures some 58 times. How long? And if you turn to Revelation chapter 6, you see the last recorded expression of how long in Revelation 6, 9, and 10. In Revelation 6, 9, and 10, hear the word of the Lord. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge, avenge, or blood on those who dwell on the earth. The souls of Christian martyrs under the altar in heaven. What is their cry? For God to come and set things right. It is the longing. It is the yearning of every true believer for Christ to come and set things right. For the church and her espoused husband to be joined in holy wedlock. But sinners do not have this ardent zeal for the appearing of our great God and Savior. They do not long for his return. And why not? Because the coming of Christ for sinners will be a day of judgment. It will be a day of eschatological terrors. It will be a day of calamity. It will be a day of terror and dread and damnation and eternal hell. So sinners do not desire the coming of Christ. In fact, they ask, where is the promise of his coming? Since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were. Second Peter 3 and verse 4. They reject Christ. 
so they spurn his coming. And Romans says in Romans chapter 3, none seeks after God. And some nine times, an anaphora, there is none who does what's right. Nine times, they do not seek the Savior. They do not desire his return. And yet, here in Revelation, what do we find? Our gracious Lord. Amen? Full of mercy. Amen? Full of compassion. Amen? Full of hesed, covenant love. Amen? Not willing that any should perish. Amen? But that all should come to him in repentance. Amen? Before the holy writ is closed. Before the sacred canon completed. Before the scriptures ended. Our exalted Lord remembers sinners outside the fold. He remembers them, the thirsty of this sin-cursed, weary world. And for the final time, can't you see it? The apostle with his pen writing the final lines of sacred writ. And as he's about to put the final stroke, it's as though the Savior says, Wait! Wait! No! No! There are still Texans who don't know him. <laughs> there are still men and women in Dallas who don't know him. There are still people in the colony who don't know him. Kikuyu don't know him. And Kormantine and Yoruba and Ewe, they don't know him. Wait! And he extends one final invitation. Don't you see the pathos? Don't you see the emotional intensity? Don't you see his love, his compassion, and his mercy for the lost? Oh, saints, it ought to put a great zeal in the hearts of every man and every woman who loves Christ to go tell the lost world about the Savior's love. Why don't we start today when we go home? If there is one in the home who doesn't know Christ. I was teaching many years ago in my country, way back in the early 1980s, teaching history and one of my students in high school I was the associate pastor in the founding Baptist church in my country and she was going to church the same church I was her history teacher her sister was a believer her brother was a believer her mother was one of the finest Christians on the island I said to her stay after class I want to talk to you I guess you can't do this in America. Share Christ. And I shared Christ with her right there. And she accepted Christ. That's been 1983, 17. That's 38 years ago. And she's still serving Christ. Amen? And then I said to her sister, how is it your sister is following Christ? Your brother is following Christ. You are following Christ. And you have so many siblings. Why don't you go home and tell them about Jesus? She went home and told one of her brothers, and he accepted Christ as Lord 
and Savior. Amen? For the final time, our Savior pleads earnestly with the lost to come to Him. Look at the language. Whoever will, let him come and let him take the water of life freely. What is the invitation? Come to Jesus today. Amen? I shared Christ over 40 years ago in my country with a young woman who said, she said, not now. She said, I'm going to come to Christ. I'm young, and I'll come to him in good measure. In my country, when you die, we put the announcement on the radio station. And that weekend, I heard it killed in a car crash, gone out into eternity, not knowing Christ. He comes today and he says to the weary and the thirsty souls, whoever will, let him come and take the water of life. Your pastor and I, when we were in seminary, you know your pastor to be a generous man, which means he's a biblical man because that's what pastors should be. We used to go out and eat. And we went across to Tippins, right across from the seminary one day. And we started sharing Christ with the young woman. This is over 25 years ago, about 25 years ago. I still remember her name, Crystal. But you know, she's working, so we are very sensitive to that. And praise God. She said, this is my lunch break. And we shared Christ with Crystal, and she came to know Christ right there in Tippins across from the seminary. Amen? Amen? I was in Honduras recently. I finished preaching that morning, and when I was leaving, I met a woman and her daughter. And she said, Pastor, come here. Let me introduce you to my daughter. The daughter is a teacher. And the daughter cursed church, she cursed the pastor, she cursed God. And I said to her, why don't you come back tonight? And she said, there's no way she'd come back to church. She had no use for God, no use for Christ, no use for Bible, no use for anything Christian. And I went home that night, that afternoon, and prayed and said, Lord, would you work a miracle in her life? And when I came to church that night, I looked around. And there she was, way over in the corner. And when I extended the invitation, the first person coming down the aisle, holding on to her mother with tears streaming down her cheeks. Same name, Crystal. Gloriously converted by a compassionate Savior who still extends the invitation today. Let him take of the water of life freely. Amen? Amen? Let him take of the water of life freely. When I was pastoring in Hawaii, I came home one night to find a girl. She must have been about 21 years old, prostrated in the street. Her boyfriend had thrown her out of a moving vehicle. I parked my vehicle to prevent cars from coming around and running over her and called 911. 
Then I went to the hospital with her and shared Christ with her and followed up with her for about two years. Always sending notes and calling us and sending messages for two years until finally she sent word to me. Pastor, guess what? I've come to know Christ. Hallelujah! Amen? Let him take the water of life freely. I was here not too long ago for the Baptist World Youth Congress in Houston. And everywhere I go, I like to share Christ. I saw him under a, the overpass, a homeless man. I still remember his name, Ken Dura. He has half a head. Some, uh, he got in an accident and the doctors had to slice half of his head to save his life. I shared Christ with Ken Dura and God gloriously saved him that day. Amen? And church, I can tell you a million stories like that. I was in Istanbul recently. I saw him there sitting on the airport and I started sharing Christ with him. And when we were going to Belgium, we made arrangements so he could sit by me. I still remember his name, Renaud Grassi, about 20 years ago. And 38,000 feet above Romania, he accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. A Kenyan businessman still serving Christ today. Amen? To the praise and glory of God. I remember not too long ago, 38,000 feet above the Alps in the region of Switzerland, sharing Christ with Halimo, a Somali. And when I, Muslim, when I talked to her about Christ, we came to that, that major stumbling uh, block for Muslims who so believe in the transcendence of God, they don't believe God could become incarnate in Christ. Unlike the seven Muslims who converted to Christ in Uganda, Halimo did not. But my prayer is that one day, the seed of the gospel sown in her heart will germinate and bear much fruit to the praise of God's glory. Amen? Church, hear the invitation again for more Savior. Let him that is a thirst come. Our Lord hears the prayers of his church. And I want you to notice how this invitation is constructed. Look at it very carefully. Verse 17. And let him who thirsts, whoever desires, let him take. Now, it's English. I teach English, so I pay very careful attention to the use of language. The Bible doesn't say Look at it very carefully. You see that let? That let is pregnant with meaning. It doesn't say, let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, take. It doesn't say, whoever desires, take. That would be an imperative, a command. It says, let him take. We call this hortative language. Hortative language. It means the language of encouragement. Let me come down to tell you this. Let, let's see how beautiful our Savior is. He comes to the unsaved and he doesn't command, come! He gently encourages, why don't you follow me? 
Don't you see how beautiful I am? Don't you see what I have done for you? Don't you see I left the glories of heaven and assumed human flesh all for your sake? It's a beautiful invitation. He doesn't, I'm going to use a Caribbean expression. I don't know if you have it in America. He doesn't twist your tail. You have that saying in America? Yeah. He doesn't curse. Isn't our Savior wonderful? A gentle encouragement. Let him. We call it hortatory or hortative language. The language of encouragement. The wooing of the Holy Spirit. Let him. Our Lord hears the prayers of his church. Come, Lord Jesus. He knows the longing of the Spirit. Come, Lord Jesus. He listens to the individual believer's cry. Come, Lord Jesus. But he remembers there are still unsaved, scoffers, mockers, Christ-rejectors, those who've hewn themselves out, cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. He still remembers there are sorry sons and wayward daughters. He still remembers there are debased, defiled, defiant men and women, restless, unhappy, addicted, bound, captivated souls. And so he extends this gracious invitation to the thirsty. Anyone feeling guilty and needing pardon? You're thirsty. Anyone sensing a disquietude and filled with perturbations of the heart? A restlessness? A palpitation? Anyone longing for peace and rest? Anyone experiencing a sighing, a pining, a longing? Anyone dissatisfied with this world's allurements, the enticements of the flesh? You are the thirsty one. And to you, his invitation comes today. Let him come. Buddhists may come. Amen? Muslims may come. I shared Christ with Buddhists at Skrupatum and Bandakrit University and among the Atta in the mountains of Thailand. And over a two-year period, most of those Buddhists that we shared Christ with converted to Christ, to the praise of his glory. Amen. I am asking the Lord in his providence to give me fruit among the Hindus. I've shared Christ among Hindus, but I've not seen any convert to him yet. And I've asked the Lord in his grace and mercy to prolong my life that I might have the joy of seeing Hindus convert to him. Amen. You remember that before the Lord inundated this world with a dreadful flood, he said to Noah, come into the ark. That has always been our Lord's gracious invitation. When Moses divided the camp because of the people's idolatry, he shouted, let him who is on the Lord's side, let him come unto me. It is the great gospel of Isaiah 1:18. Come now, let's reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though like crimson, they shall be as wool. We hear the cry again in Isaiah 55, verse 1. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come by without money and without price. We hear our Savior again and again. Come, follow me, even to children he says, suffer the little children to come and do not 
forbid them. Again and again, he called sinners to himself. You remember the woman in, at the well in Samaria? What was her testimony after Christ had done a work in her heart? She goes out and she says, Come see a man. And this is the business of the church. Gospel business. Yes? Amen? Because a lot of churches are turning to all other kinds of business. And that's why I thank God for your pastor, a thoroughly biblical man who loves the Lord and loves his church. Amen? Amen? Come drink of the water of life freely. I end on this note, freely. Come drink of the water of life freely. If I had to pay for salvation, I'd be up a gum tree, to use a Caribbean expression. That means I'd be in a lot of trouble. I ain't got any. That's a Caribbean way of saying I have none. <laughs> if I had to pay for salvation, I'd be a mess, and so would most of the world. He says, come, come, and take it freely. What does it mean? I talked about this last night. Freely. It means come without merit. Without merit. Amen? It means come without inducement. It means come without commendation. It means nothing can hinder your coming. No spot, no blemish, no defect, no unworthiness, no sin, no malignancy. Do you know how many people don't want to come to Christ because they feel they're too dirty? Well, Christ is in the dirty business. He has a way of taking the sins that you have, washing them in his blood and making you as white as snow. And he bids you come today. No sin, no malignancy, no defect, no unworthiness. Nothing is a bar to God's gracious love in Christ. Hallelujah! Amen? And so he says today, come drink of the water of life. You see, if we drink of the river of fame, we'll thirst again. If we drink of the river of beauty, it'll fade. I can tell you a little secret why I'm wearing this. <laughs> and you'll see a little of my vanity. I went to the dentist and they dislodged one of my tooth. And you could imagine how hideous I would look. Especially when you think of your handsome pastor. <laughs> that would even be worse. What's, what, what point I am trying to make? If we drink from the river of beauty, it'll fade. If you drink from the river of sex, it will not satisfy. If you drink from the river of power or this world, you will thirst again. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Whoever drinks of the water of life that Christ gives will never, never, never thirst again. Church, you want life? It is found only in Jesus Christ. Throughout the scriptures, God is the source of life. 
Revelation sums up all of history and speaks of the book of life, the river of life, the tree of life, the water of life. Jesus says, I am come that you may have what? Abundant life. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Paul states, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What Paul is teaching is that living and Christ are coextensive, one and the same thing. Amen? You want to see true living? It is found only in Jesus Christ. And that is what the world needs today. There is a way that seems right to a man, but it leads to death. I am come, Jesus says, that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen. And Christ offers this life freely today to anyone who will come to him in repentance and faith. What is repentance? Godly sorrow for sin and a desire to forsake sin and turn to the Savior. A work wrought in the heart by the ministry of the Holy Spirit as the word of God is preached. You come today in repentance and faith. What is faith? It is understanding the truths concerning God's offer of salvation in Christ so that forsaking all others, we put all trust in Christ as Savior and Lord. Church, maybe someone here today doesn't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and he calls to you today. Come now, as the Spirit speaks through the power of his word. The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and shall believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For here is the crux. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. May God, in his grace and mercy, call some weary sinner to himself today. Now grant it, Lord, to the praise of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much, brother.